Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 15 of Points and Penalties. I'd like to remind you to please subscribe wherever you get your pods and give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Points Penalties. My name is Yosh, and with me are co-hosts Jesse, Kevin, and a late sub for Pedro, special guest Ryan. Kevin, what are you drinking tonight? I have some Murphy's Law with some Jack Daniels uh, honey with ginger ale and a bit of soda stream. Jess, what are you drinking? Drinking uh, Bob Cage Brewing Company. It's called Common Loon. And it's a pa- American Pale Ale. It's pretty tasty. It is a very low percentage of alcohol because I had a rough night last night. So taking her easy today. <laughs> uh, Deline, what are you having? Well, today I'm mixing it up a little bit. I'm drinking the, the original Coors Original because if you know me, well, that's what I'll be drinking. But also, as to quote Kevin, I got a sipper, and this sipper is uh, 10 milligrams of THC and 0.9 milligrams of CBD. It's a nice uh, tropical fruit, and it came to us uh, from our local cannabis shop down the street. It's about two minutes down the road. It's a cannabis cupboard. They've opened up. They're busy, and I was pumped to see this drink. Yosh, what are you drinking? Well, tonight I got a nice little... IPA from Bellwoods Brewery. It's called Roman Candle. It's a strong beer. As I said, IPA, 6.8% alcohol. Look so it looks that. like I win today. And uh, it's hoppy as you would expect, but it's uh, pretty tasty so far. Busy week for all of the sports. You know, baseball is making its way through. It's, uh, I guess, third week now. Maybe it's his fourth week. Yeah, Either way, fourth week. Uh, yeah. fourth week. You know, basketball is winding down, hockey's winding down, and although we still have four months to wait for football to start, the draft started on uh, Thursday and ran until, uh, I guess, yesterday. And uh, Jesse, you want to run us through what happened at the draft? Well, as we all know, the first overall pick was Trevor Lawrence to the Jags. Big surprise. (laughs) When when the season ended that the Jags were going to be taking this guy. And then... uh, not surprisingly, uh, Zach Wilson went right after, which we all called. Well, I think we all knew kind of thing that that was happening. Yep. And then uh, San Fran was the big question mark here. And I had originally said Trey Lance, and then Josh called it right before there, and he, he agreed with me with <laughs> it. And then I heard we heard that they might have gone with uh, Mac Jones. But, yeah, they went with, the I think, the better quarterback, Trey Lance, more pro-ready quarterback. Who did Atlanta take? They didn't screw the draft up, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I think you were right, Kev. Last podcast, I was listening up to it he today. That's right. He got Kyle Pitts. Probably the best athlete in the draft, I would, I would think. Tall. The only issue is tight ends don't usually do too hot as rookies. It usually takes them a year or two to get going. But that Atlanta offense is going to be crazy with Julio, who – there was rumors out that they were thinking of trading him this week, <laughs> which I called that he wouldn't be here next year, but I was, I guess I was a little late on that one. Uh, so yeah, with Cal and Ridley and Julio Jones and then Kyle Pitts now, that offense is going to be tearing it up, I think. Yeah, I mean, they've got Gurley and uh, oh, what's that other guy, Kevin? Chow- like, Chow- Chow- I think this is Gurley's up. not there anymore. He's a free agent. Are you fucking yeah. kidding me? 
<laughs> he only he only signed for a year. Oh fuck! I didn't know that. <laughs> Pretty sure. But it's Gage. It's Gage that. Uh, yeah, yeah, Gage for sure. But yeah, he had a pretty big start off too. But like, it was. Uh, I don't think he's. It's gonna be tough for him to see the field. Well, like I said, maybe because the tight ends don't usually do too hot as rookies. They might. Uh, he might do something. Mm-hmm. But that offense is gonna be lethal. Yeah, the problem is gonna be can their defense do anything? Right. Right. Yeah. They haven't been that that good for a lot of years. The and they defense, had a so. defensive coach before that before they switched to an offensive mm-hmm. coach. So, uh, Kevin, do you know who the DC is there? Because I don't remember. After their, I don't recall. Arthur nope. Smith was hired as a head coach. Don't know. Okay, well. Wish I had that answer. Moving on. We're going to go to the. Wow. One time Kevin doesn't know fucking anything. I don't know. Well, I, don't want, I don't want to state anything and get challenged. And, and you, oh, know, you think, you think I'm setting you up? Some more points here. <laughs> well, so you're that, that, that could be a possibility. <laughs> Oh man, whatever happened to wisdom at old age? Jess, yeah. you're right. Gurley's a free agent. Good. So yeah, the, the Bengals were next up, and they went wide receiver, which shocked me. I thought they were going to go with Penny Sewell because he's the best uh, left tackle there was in the draft, and Burrow just got uh, an ACL redone. So you would think you want to protect him, and they have good receivers there to begin with, with uh, Boyd and T. Higgins. So yep. I'm not saying Jamar Chase isn't good. And it's reuniting him with his receiver, uh, Burrow's receiver from LSU, which was, I think Burrow had a, was wanting this guy and asked him to get him. Yeah. I mean, that could be, that could be possible. Like, it still begs the question though, if you need protection so that Burrow's can stay on his feet when you already have two, you know, higher end, wide receivers i don't know for me i probably would have gone with with sewell but well it'll be interesting to see uh, because he's gonna be running around with his head cut off but he's gonna have a bunch of receivers to throw to (laughs) yeah (laughs) so you were right josh with the dolphins getting the next pick they did go wide receiver they got uh jalen waddle who's another really good talent there and isn't that another uh another rejoining with Tua and uh, and Waddle. Uh, yep, from I think Ohio State. Waddle was from yeah. So that's no, no challenge. Alabama. Oh yeah, damn. <laughs> <laughs> Got my point back. <laughs> yeah, that was you're right. Yeah, I, I don't know why I was thinking Devonte. I was thinking Devonte Smith. Smith and uh, and Fields. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Oh no, Devonte Smith is is Alabama too. I think. Yeah, whatever. I can't remember. Well, we're on Jalen Waddle. We'll keep, we'll keep, uh, carry on with him. Uh, anyway, so yeah, so yeah, it was another re- reunion with them uh, at Alabama, as you said. So the Lions got Penny Sewell. They were just like, sure, they need they need uh, O line help to protect golf badly because if golf yep. is uh, uh, blitzed a bunch and if he's not off his spot, his feet are moving, he is very, very inaccurate as I can, I know for sure as watching him a bunch. <laughs> but when, it, when he has tons of protection, he's, he's lethal accurate. So it'll be, hopefully he gets that in Detroit because I do want him to do well, even though he's playing for a different team. So the Panthers, who I thought were might've gotten a quarterback here, Went uh, CB or corner with JC Horn. 
Now, does anyone know who the father is of J.C. Horn? That's got to be Joe Horn. Yes, it is. I was going to ask that because I really, who was the only other football player with the last name Horn? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we all know Horn. He played uh, in the CFL as well when uh, they were expanding to the U.S. and everything like that. Played for a couple teams there. Got drafted by KC. And then uh, he got he went to New Orleans and started dominating. Yep, that's pretty much when I remember yeah. him. Well, was in in uh, New Orleans. Do you know what his nickname was? No, Hollywood. Why are you trying to set everybody up, dude? Just, no, I just I, I'm just, just asking. I'm asking. I, well, because if you say the wrong no, question, no, no, you say no, no, I'm asking. Sounds like Kevin's butthurt right no, now. No, no, no. <laughs> it was Hollywood. Hollywood Horn. Hollywood Horn. Kev, I feel like you got some insecurities, buddy. You need to work on those. Come back more confident. <laughs> okay, so after JC was picked, I thought Denver was going to get uh, Fields because they need a quarterback. Uh, but there was rumors that uh, A-Rod might be going there, but we'll discuss that a little bit later. But they went with what I thought was the best uh, cornerback in uh, Patrick Sertain. Yeah, I agree with you. 100%. So they got that. They're trying to create the no-fly zone again with uh, Fangio there. They got some good corners and everything like that and the defense. So, yeah, they need a quarterback. Like, we all know that – well, sorry, we don't know all know, but uh, Bridgewater was traded there uh, this week for just a sixth-round pick. So, like, he's got, I think it's more for competition with uh, Drew Locke. Yeah, that's all, that's all sure. it is right now. But they're still – I don't know how competitive they're going to be. Is that uh, I, the division has uh, the Chiefs in it and um, the Chargers, who I think are going to be pretty freaking good this year? Yeah, I always like Sertan. I'm a bit of a Alabama fan, so and he was pretty much lights out for uh, the Crimson Tide over his uh, over his tenure tenure there in Alabama. So I thought that was a great pick for Denver. From that standpoint, like from the defensive standpoint, yeah, maybe they could have used a quarterback, but I guess with that trade, like you said, they're gonna they're probably gonna end up rolling with Locke. Then have uh, Teddy B as a, as like I said, just as a pushed, um, you know, for competition. So, you know, after making that, I guess you assume that they didn't want to go QB, and I thought this was a good pick for them. You know who else is going to be good next year? Who? What's that? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Just saying. Once again, they're going to repeat. We got another dynasty coming, and it's not going to be New England. I don't, so, I don't uh, think it's. Cheers, Cap. It's going to be a d- dynasty, but they did sign. Antonio Brown again so they got the whole Super Bowl team back like everyone that's significant that played significant snaps is back with Tampa and like I said to you too DeLine they're not going to get anywhere this year they're not even going to make the playoffs though who's going to beat them the Falcons huge take that's a hot not going to make the playoffs nope yo so how about you bet me a hundred bucks just like I did with Rusty uh because I'm not as stupid as Rusty all right, well, let's do 20 then. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Buccaneers have already made me money. Yeah, but you, didn't you buy like four jerseys already? So you spend all that money. <laughs> Three jerseys. <laughs> and it was well worth it. Are they all Tom Brady's? Yep. So what, you got like two New England and, and uh, Bucks, or do you have two Bucks and a New England? No, three Bucks. <laughs> no New England. Every time I wanted New England, they were sold you out. You got three TB12 Buck jerseys? Yep, gray, white, and black. You should have went with creamsicle, man. <laughs> the creamsicle jerseys are the best ones, and you definitely should have got a creamsicle jersey. Creamsicle, I can't say I've heard of that, but I have to look into it's, it. Uh, it's yeah. pretty ugly. 
(laughs) (laughs) Anyways, back to the draft. So with the biggest trade, no, it's not the biggest trade. It's coming up, but with a pretty big trade for uh, Dallas, because both the CBs were gone, the top uh, cornerbacks were gone. They traded uh, with Philly, which is in division, which I've never heard of in the first round, at least. Like, and it wasn't even for much. It was for a third round pick. And they got uh, Devontae Smith, who is probably just as good as uh, Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle, I think. It was, uh, it was a huge trade, especially in division. So now when Devontae Smith goes off against Dallas, because they don't have their cornerback, uh, <laughs> it'll be pretty <laughs> funny because I'm not a big Cow- Cowgirls fan. <laughs> Yeah, but we know who you do cheer for, Jesse, and it's not much better. So, buddy, they're the ones going to the Super Bowl. They they've had a winning record in the last four years. I would take the Rams over the Cowboys. The only reason I like the Cowboys is because I got fucking Zeke on my fantasy team. Other than that, I'd be a hater. Yeah, but you're a huge <laughs> Dak fan too. Yeah, well, that's because I had him in my one of my teams oh. too. But <laughs> I only don't like the Rams because of Jesse. Yeah, that's fair. The Rams don't like you. <laughs> that's okay because of you. <laughs> i don't even see them much when i'm watching red zone so clearly they're not that good oh they will be this year man they don't have fucking golf <laughs> they, they were good with golf so with golf though you'll be even better people are going to chase somebody that uh, we're going to talk about soon so the trade that was the biggest in the draft i think was yeah yosha's chicago bears trading with david gettleman who never trades back. It's been eight years as a general manager. He's never traded back once. Now the haul that he got was pretty big. Yeah, yeah. it was, um, it was pretty much bears saying that they wanted their franchise quarterback and also uh, Stephen Pace and Ryan Nagy on the hot seat. And they're just trying to save their jobs, I think. But So two first rounders, a fourth and a fifth. And you think that's a good trade, Yosh? That sounds pretty uh, pretty heavy to me, but... Hey, man, when you haven't had a fucking quarterback since the 80s, and even <laughs> then it was spotty, you'll do anything you can to get one, right? Especially when these guys, if they don't do something this year, Nagy and uh, Pace are out, so they had to make a splash. And I think this is a pretty good pick. You know, I mean, well, we will see. I, I, mean, I think he's better than uh, Trubisky already. Like, that's what I would say. So... You know, I wasn't super happy about Trubisky when when they traded up for him. I do take all their draft picks with a grain of salt because they don't they don't have too much success in the draft room. But I think this one uh, this one will be a, a success. I, I really like Justin Fields. I think he's a good quarterback. Yeah, I think he's really good too. And I I he kind of gives me that vibe of uh, Deshaun Watson esque kind of thing like that. So with yeah, the, hopefully sure. without the massages. <laughs> yeah, why do you think he's better than Trubisky though? Have what makes him better? Have you seen Trubisky play? Well, not really, but I'm just here to stir up the controversy and I just think he's got better uh better field vision. I think he can make all the throws where Trubisky was a little hit or hit and miss with with some of the stuff. On the run he seemed to be okay, but you want Trubisky to to drop back and throw he wasn't uh, he wasn't a top end guy that I think everybody thought he might have been at picking what was it number two? 
or two or three the other year, whatever it was. I can't remember. I can't remember. That's how much I care about it already. So I can't. I can't remember if he was a third overall or a second. Yeah, it was one. I know they traded up one spot to get him because they thought San Fran was going to do it, but I can't. I can't mm. quite remember when if it was the third or second. Either way, I think Fields is going to be good for the Bears. Uh, it's interesting that you know they just signed uh, Andy Dalton, told him he was going to be the starter, and then they go ahead and draft Justin Fields. Now, I do think that Dalton will start the year, and it'll probably be pretty much normal Chicago Bears football for the first couple weeks. It'll be Dalton. Losing. And then, well, they might lose. That's fine. Like I said, it'll be normal. But then – so there'll be like maybe four, five, six weeks with Dalton, and then he'll either get hurt or he'll just be playing like shit, and they'll say that's it. We're putting in Fields, and then he'll play for you know, depending on how uh, his injury status is over the year, probably play the rest of it, and that'll be the last we see of Andy Dalton. Uh, and I mean, I, I can't see. I don't even know what the hell they're gonna do with Foles now. Like, so you're I mean, expecting the same results as the Eagles last year. I'm expecting the same results as the Bears, man. The Bears last year, the Bears the year before. I don't expect anything this year. It's going to take Fields, you know, a little bit of time to to get used to NFL football. And if he doesn't play until the sixth game, then it's, you know, it's still going to take him a while. Yeah, so. that's the time I thought he was going to start would be the sixth, the fifth or the sixth game. Yeah. Now, does Trevor Lawrence start? Yes. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Same as Zach Wilson. You think Minshew's going to start? No, man. No, they drafted this guy, number one. It's been knowing that he's going to be – you know, the quote unquote savior in Jacksonville for the last however long. Is he? I don't think so. I mean, he may be a great quarterback. They say he's NFL ready, but is he really? Uh, yep. I mean, some people go into this, this, this NFL with a big, huge hype and they, you know, they can flounder. For sure they can, but I totally believe that he's going to, he, he's got the pedigree of like Peyton Manning, the hype that he came up, man. Like, yeah. And you knowing what that with with being said, you think you're going to go in there with a a bigger ego that I am, and then I don't know. The guy's pretty humble. It's a no. it's a quicker game. He's a pretty humble guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, all right. He's already been proven right. as a winner in Clemson, right? So. Oh yeah, no, I'm not saying that more, like for sure. I mean, the guys won a championship with him, so I'm just saying. I mean, it's a different speed in the NFL. I mean, it's going to be coming that quick. Well, we're going to move on. Because we, <laughs> we gotta get through all this stuff. Uh, so the Cowboys ended up getting uh, Micah Parsons, another linebacker, which is crazy because they got Jalen Smith there and Van Der Esch. So I and we don't know that Sean Lee uh, just retired finally. Yep. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see who he pushes here. Now I can't. Do they run a three-four or a four-three? I think it's a four-three. So they might have them all starting. But most people are in nickel now anyway, so it'll take a linebacker off the field. But this, I'm guaranteed he, he will be on the field because he is a rangy guy, very fast. He is uh, – I'm going to make a comparison of Luke Kukli. Uh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he's kind of going to be like him. He's going to be all over the field, and he's going to come up and help in the run support a lot there which they need, but his biggest thing is his uh, pass coverage. I find. Yeah. And he might get some extra playing time because of Van Der Esch. He's pretty injury prone. Right. So he might get a little extra time there. Uh, so maybe that's just a, an insurance thing for the, the Cowboys on their linebacking core. Time will tell though. Yeah, like he, like you said, he's an insurance policy because he gets injured all the time. Mm. Next uh, up is chargers. 
We took Rashad Slater, O lineman. They need need a guy there to protect uh, Herbert, so I'm not surprised there at all. Uh, New York then traded up with uh, Minnesota for uh, two thirds and their other uh, first round pick, uh, 23rd overall. They ended up picking Algiera Vieira Tucker. I didn't really hear anything about this guy, so I I didn't really even look into him a whole lot. But they obviously need O line to protect uh, their new quarterback and Zach Wilson. Do you think then, now that the Jets have have Wilson, do you think uh, what's his face is done there? Oh, geez, I can't remember the quarterback's name. You think it's Sam Darnold? Sam Darnold. He's already yeah. been moved, man. Holy he got fuck. moved last week. He's in Carolina. That's why. Oh. The, that's why. Uh, Oh, that's why Teddy was moved. Holy fuck, I'm out to lunch on this. <laughs> oh, so shows how much I pay attention during the offseason. <laughs> well, there's a lot of, like, obviously we do a lot of sports here, so we look at a lot of Yeah, them, fair right? enough. So, at least you get challenged there. I could have got challenged. challenged. I could have challenged Kev a little bit ago on Clemson, too, because they didn't win last year. So No, I didn't say they won last year. I didn't say he had won at all. I said they won a championship. I don't know, Kev. That's what he said. I, that's because I was thinking because I was thinking that the, he won two, but I, I couldn't remember because I know he's been. Okay. I didn't say anything of last year. All I remember saying is the fact that he actually won a championship. I never doubted the guy was not good. So, right after uh, that trade and that pick by the Jets for the Veer Tucker, the Patriots at fifteen took the other only decent quarterback, Mac Jones. Which I can't believe he fell into their lap by just standing pat. I'm just shocked. And it just goes to show you how lucky Bilicek can be sometimes. Cause like, like I, I'm not saying he's, he's going to be like lights out, but like he's someone that uh, Bill can work with, I think. And for sure put a better uh, offense on the field. Like, I think we were talking, Josh, and you think by week eight he might be the starter or something like that over Cam? Pretty well, yeah. I mean, Cam hasn't done a fucking thing, so... I can't pass. He, yeah. he is brutal. If Mac does what Bill wants, I have a good feeling by midseason... Yeah, Mac's going to play. Mac will play. Do you guys think that Cam Newton could have a better season, though, this year, seeing as some of their good players might actually opt to play instead yeah. of sit out yeah, with but COVID? a lot of their players were defense. Yeah, they still don't have any wide receivers. Like they got some tight ends, but yeah. Well, that's the thing is, is they're yeah. just going to be a running team with Cam, and we're going to they're going to run out of those two tight end sets a bunch, and or dink and dunk down to the to the tees. And we'll and... see uh, how that goes. But if it's not going well, I think Mac Jones jumps in there. Yeah, I agree, man. I think it's a good pick though for the for the Pats. I think Mac is one of those guys that, uh, like you said, Jess can definitely learn. I mean, obviously anybody can learn from Bill, but. I think he'll really take it. And actually when he got up on the stage to uh, give, give Goodell his, uh, his draft hug, which are back, <laughs> are back this year. Uh, he actually had said, uh, he said that he actually wanted that to happen. He wanted to fall to 15 to go to new England. And then he said in his ear, don't tell anybody that, but of course the cameras catch everything. So whether he wanted that or not, who knows? He did say that, but uh, all right. Like I said, I think it's a good fit for both of them there. I don't know any quarterback that wouldn't want to work with Bill. 100%. So. And just the pedigree of the Patriots in general to, to be drafted to them. You know, although we're not big fans here on uh, the old points and penalty pod of the Patriots, but mm-hmm. uh, their championship pedigree is obviously 
second you, to none. Did you hear all the boos when they said they had six of them? Everyone starts booing. And the guy went up to the stand. That's, uh, that's, all, that's just against Goodell. <laughs> they just, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was nice to see, too. I, I missed that. Because <laughs> last sure. year he was doing it in his basement and there was no booing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about Peter's Titans a little bit here. Um, they drafted uh, Cable Farley, who is another good cornerback that I would say was like up there with Sertan and, and uh, JC Horn. But Super injury prone, and he hasn't played football in eighteen months. So he's he's uh, uh, he's questionable, but I think he's going to be a pretty good uh, corner if he can stay healthy. So is name pronunciation challengeable? Kevin would have no fucking points at all if that was <laughs> what the case. I, right? Just because you call this guy Cable, but his name's Caleb. It's not Rogers, buddy. <laughs> it's not. You're right. You're you're right, but I I did. Uh, I yeah. I don't know why I said cable. But yeah. I don't think muffing up names should be challenges. No, no. God no. damn it, man! Have you ever tried some of those UFC mofos? I mean, okay, okay, but Caleb and Cable are very far apart. It's I'm, not like I'm, a pronunciation, like a language thing. It was. How many beers uh, are you in? Two. Okay. Well, tall boys. Yeah, I got you. So I mean, understandable. So if you're gonna if you're gonna make a challenge, you gotta call, you gotta say challenge. So we can't even accept it because you never said challenge. So, well, I, I guess it was more of a question. I Next did time. say challenge, but I said, is it a challenge? Challengeable offense. Next time. Yeah, we're just gonna move this along here. And uh, my Rams <laughs> picked a featherweight that wide receiver, which they're stacked at for some reason. They went with their top pick with a wide receiver who's gonna I thought was gonna be returning punts, but apparently he's only returned four punts in his college career so and i've his his weight that i've seen is it, it goes from like 149 up to 160 that i've seen all over the place so he he took a video of him like i guess pumping weight and stuff like that and then he got on the scale and he said 160 he if he gets smoked he might be out for the season but he's supposed to be super super fast and i think mcveigh was uh McVay was leading the draft because Les Snead had COVID, so he wasn't allowed. They did their draft at a Malibu beach house, and Snead wasn't there. So I think McVay had full reins here, and this went on and got another short receiver because he's had uh, Tavon Austin and uh, Brandon Cooks. But last year, they, he didn't have a short receiver, so he went out and got one for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, – Maybe he might help us out, but I, I wish we would have went uh, O-line here, center, because Creed Humphrey was sitting right there and I wanted it. But I have no control over what these guys do, and I trust in these guys because, like I said, DeLine, they have won every single – or they've had a winning season underneath McVay every season, so I'm good with it. Oh, prepare yourself for disappointment, kid. <laughs> no, man. They're going to be in the Super Bowl. They're going to knock out your box. In the NFC championship game. Do you actually think that's going to happen, though? For shot. I don't know about that. You know that the Super Bowl champs are pretty much coming back, right, as the same team? The team that took out everybody in their past. through this, bud. But the MVP wants out of Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers is super disgruntled with uh, his GM, Brian Gutekunst. 
I don't know. I can't pronounce it. Something like that. He wants him fired. <laughs> just because uh, I think it has a lot to do with the Jordan Love pick last year. And yep. they didn't really get uh, a wide receiver until later in the round, but they did get him a wide receiver. I'm pretty sure it's just this Jordan Love thing that's still bothering him and everything like that. Because they picked a corner and there's nothing ever wrong with picking a corner in the first round, trying to build that defense up because that'll get him Aaron Rodgers the ball back quickly and everything like that. But it looks like he's just, he's, he's got an issue with the front office. I don't know if it's huge with the head coach, a huge feud with him. Cause I think he likes uh, LaFleur. Yeah. I think in the beginning, he wasn't a big fan of LaFleur, but over the year, Last season, I think they they really gelled together. I don't. I agree with you, Jess. I don't think there's an issue between Rodgers and the coach. I think it's Rodgers and the GM, and maybe some upper brass other than that. Because he was saying he wants out, and then San Fran came and checked on. Uh, they were willing to trade this week for Rodgers, give him the third overall pick and some other stuff. But obviously, Green Bay said hell's no. Yeah, didn't the GM say like we are not trading? Yeah. Them? You know, which is. I mean, really, that's the right thing to do. You don't trade a guy like that. Well, if he's this disgruntled, he's he's look, he's got a Jeopardy gig lined up, perhaps. <laughs> so, <laughs> so be interesting, like what he goes with, because he seems like he's not coming back if that GM is there right now. Yeah, who knows? Do you think he holds out then? It's possible. I mean, he has said there there has been reports that he could hold out, and he wants to go to maybe Denver, which we were talking about earlier a little bit, was he wants to go there. I think his fiance, I can't remember her name, Shireen, is from Boulder, Colorado. So I think that's the reason why he wants to go there. San Fran was was one of the places where he wanted to go because he grew up in Cal. So it's it's pretty crazy that it dropped the night of of the first round. That all this just came... Like before even Trevor Lawrence was picked, this all this came out. And then the following day, he wants his GM fired. What do you guys think? Like, do you guys think that they should trade him or should they fire the GM? I, all I want to say here is, like, I don't know, what right does Aaron Rodgers have thinking he's Tom Brady and he could tell the, the whole team what they need to do and who need, they need to hire and fire? Like... He's not that good to make that call. He's the in reigning MVP, so obviously he yeah. is good, man. Like, get a I clue. disagree there with you, the line. He is, <laughs> he is just as good as Tom, if not better. Not from a championship standpoint, obviously, but he can make all the throws. Like, he can throw it fucking 90 yards downfield pretty well. You know, Tom can't quite throw it that far. Tom's a great quarterback, but Aaron Rodgers, man, he's there's a reason why he's the MVP last yeah, year. Yeah, and he's like one of the few guys that can actually keep up to – Tom Brady's crazy regimen. Like he, he works hard. He keeps his body in great shape. That's why he's able to play as well as he is. But like, they've always said like Tom Brady was a systems quarterback and Aaron Rodgers is not. Now I don't think Tom Brady's a systems quarterback, obviously after this year. He's yeah. He's definitely showing that he, he wasn't just a product of, of bill, but uh... yeah. And, but those two have gone hand in hand. Same with Peyton Manning was in that in there and breeze. But uh, I would say, obviously, right now, those guys are, are up there with their age and how old they are. Like, obviously, Patty Mahomes is up there now and maybe Deshaun. <laughs> Sands massages. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you trade him. But being the president, the owner, 
does that mean that you fire the GM? I mean, we really don't know the full extent of what the issue is here. We are, you know, speculating that it's pretty much just about Jordan Love, but we don't 100% know. There could be some other things in there. Obviously, I think you try and work it out with both of them, but if you can't, Aaron Rodgers is putting wins on the board. He's putting the points on the board. The, the GM, although is bringing in the players, he's not doing much on the field. So. Right. Which could be pivotal too, but does it, Aaron Rodgers want to lose out on a year of football? Right, that's the other thing, especially at his age. So it's bold for him to do it. I don't think Green Bay will fire their GM. Like they love Aaron Rodgers there, obviously, but I don't think they'll fire their GM. I think they'll leave it in Rodgers' hands and say, listen, we want you back but we can't fire this guy. He's this is, yeah, figure yeah, it out like, type thing. He's trying to help us out for the future and everything like that by drafting. He got a bunch of stuff for defense again. And um, I understand Rogers wants another receiver, like a higher rated receiver, I think is what he wants. Uh-huh. But I found after midway through the second round, the receivers really dropped off. Like they all were, cl- they're all clumped together, is what I was thinking. Yeah, it wasn't quite as deep this year for for receivers, like top end depth. As we discussed, uh, Antonio Brown signed back with your bucks there, uh, the line, and we said, yeah, and they got all the same talent that they had from last year, which is pretty unprecedented. That's a pretty tough thing to do. That's unheard of, especially in this kind of a year where the cap went down to get all mm-hmm. your guys back from your Super Bowl team, never heard of that before. Never heard of the, the cap going down and never heard of getting your whole team back for the Super Bowl run. That's because of Tom taking uh, pay cuts and everyone else does because he, he's a leader in that way, though, because he, he asks these, these guys to do that because it's 3.1 million guaranteed, and he can make up to, like, just over 6 million. So that's nothing for Antonio Brown. Absolutely nothing. For a guy, his kind of player, because he was scoring touchdowns like crazy at the end there. Yeah. And he has that playoff uh, experience, like the rest of the team does. That's why they're going to be scary for next year again. Oh, I'm not saying they won't. And I do think they are – I don't know if they are or not, but I think they are the highest – the best odds to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, I haven't looked into that, but I wouldn't be surprised if they are. Especially after it's gonna be them or K Steam, maybe. That would be two that I would think. It's probably gonna be the same finals. Well, I told you the Rams are gonna be there, bud. <laughs> no, I think that's wishful thinking, Jesse. And we all think our teams are gonna be in the finals at the start of the year or before the start of the year. I don't. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> but you're a Bears fan. That's totally different, Yoshi. Maybe in like, like two, two or three fan. years, I'll say that. <laughs> All right, gents, uh, let's slide on into the MLB. I want to start out with uh, our Blue Jays update, which is pretty typical when we start off our baseball segment. Jays played five games this week, one and one versus the Nats, and so far two and zero versus the Braves. They're currently playing right now. Uh, last I saw, it was one one. I'm not 100 percent sure what uh, the score is now. Four two. Four two. Good guys or bad guys? Good guys. Nice. Uh, so that could potentially put them three and zero against the Braves, which would make them four and one on the week. But obviously, it's probably still another few innings, I would assume, on that game. So the Jays are currently uh, second in the AL East. They've moved up a bit, two and a half games back of Boston, who's still dominating at seventeen and eleven. The Jays' offense has been on fire as of late. 
They have scored 30 runs in their past four games. That does not include today's game. And it, it's just, it, it's crazy. You know, since that they've gotten a few uh, players back from injury, most notably uh, George Springer and Teoscar Hernandez off the COVID list ever since that, or at least the, the, you know, the thought of these guys coming back, it's like a switch was, uh, was flipped. And all of a sudden these guys are, are hitting bombs like crazy. Lots of hits, lots of, uh, lots of good things going on offensively. So Tuesday versus the Nats, Vlad hit three home runs and had seven RBIs. Wow. Yeah, man. That's uh that's a good day for sure. Yeah. I think that's the, he's the 18th ever to do that with in regards to the Blue Jays to do uh, three home runs in one game. Oh, one yeah. of them was a grand slam. Yeah. yeah. Wild. And he's the, um, the with the, the age of 23, he's hit three grand slams so far. Is that some sort of record or? Uh, I think that's part of the Blue Jays or, or, or a record itself. Yeah. Three grand slams before the age of 23. Losing that weight really skyrocketed him. Uh, on the offensive board for sure. And he's been playing great defensively too. Uh, I think he's uh, turning out to be quite a good first baseman. Sticking with the home runs on Friday, uh, Alejandro Kirk hit two home runs and I believe it was four RBI. And on Saturday, we got our first Springer dinger. And then later on in the uh, same game, Springer hit a second one. So that was again on Saturday. So the Jays have hit 13 home runs in the last four games again before today which is wild. It, uh, I believe I, I heard a stat uh, Buck Martinez was saying on the game yesterday. I think it was that TD ballpark in Dunedin has like 3.3 home runs per game uh, being played Jesus. there, whether they're from Jays or from whoever else, but you know, at least three home runs every game, which was great for the fans to see, you know, everybody loves home runs. So yeah, offense is good to see there and everything like that. And you were talking about Alejandro Kirk. Uh, I didn't say it on this podcast, but I, I knew he was going to be good this year. I wanted him to replace Jansen so quickly. And from what I'm seeing, he's doing that because Jansen is just hot garbage, man. Like <laughs> Jansen is 0 for 35 this year. He got 0 for 35. Yeah, like, wow. It's brutal. His average is below 100. Yeah, it's like what is O four seven or something like that, or O three seven? Like it's brutal. So like I'm super hyped that they they kept uh, Kirk up and didn't put him in the minors or anything like that. But I I, I knew he was going to take over this year. I thought it was going to be much later in the year, but uh, I'm glad he's doing it now. And I think the only reason that he's played as much as he has is, is because Chance has been shit offensively. So they're like, we well, might as well throw this guy in and. He's been pretty good. I don't like the way that Kirk crouches. He puts a knee down behind the plate, and I do not like that. You, in my opinion, you don't have enough time to smother balls when you have uh, your knee already down. It's hard to move it and get it back underneath you to move uh, side to side. But he's a big boy, yeah. and I would assume that that's probably why, because he's a big boy, and his uh, his knees at his young age probably already can't take the uh, the amount of crouching and the amount of weight that's on there. Maybe he needs to get the old Jason Baratek uh, knee savers going on or something like that. But looks like a big bowling ball back there. He's uh, he's definitely starting <laughs> to tear it up though. Yeah, and we knew that that coming in, like he he was more of an offensive catcher than than defense. One hundred percent. Yep. Uh, so uh, stick with Kirk there. His two real home runs on Friday made him the youngest Jay ever with a multi-home run game at 22 years and 175 days old. Just happened to be Danny Jansen was the previous record holder for that. 
And that was when Jansen was actually hitting the ball. And one last thing about uh, the Jays and home runs here. The second home run that Springer hit yesterday, Saturday, was estimated at 470 feet. He cleared the entire stadium. And I guess there's a school right on the other side of, of the stadium there. So they were joking around at the end of the game when uh, Springer did his post-game interview that there'll be a lucky a lucky kid at that elementary school that'll find a home run ball uh, out there in the playground. So 470 feet, fourth longest home run ball in franchise history. Uh, top one, we uh, Justin Smoke, I believe it was in 2015. He hit one 474 feet. And then uh, Gritchick and my boy Edwin Encarnacion had hit bombs that were 471 feet. And again, Springer at 470 marks the number four. And the fifth longest, I believe, uh, was 469. And I believe that was Josh Donaldson. It'll be uh, interesting if uh, he's hitting it already this hard. Well, I guess it's in Florida, so it's pretty warm down there already. Yeah, and apparently they're they're already prepping Buffalo so the Jays can move north soonish. But think. I think uh, you'll see more home runs or larger, further home runs once it heats up in Buffalo. Mm. So yeah, the Jays are uh, like I said, their offense has been lighting it up. Defense hasn't been too too shabby, and uh, we're liking what we see. And Kev, every week it seems like your your prediction is getting closer and closer. You know what, whether they win it or not. Is obviously you've got lots of time for that, but if they're scoring as many runs as they have in the last four games consistently, they are going to be tough to beat. Not a lot of teams will be able to keep up with six, seven, eight runs a game. So especially with their pitching. Yeah, and the pitching hasn't been horrible. It's that's really been uh you know, it's been a surprise actually with all those injuries. And even before the injuries, we weren't really sure what the hell was going to happen with this team. We knew that Ryu was going to be the number one, and we assumed that. Pearson was going to be the number two. Obviously, he's been hurt. And then after that, it was pretty much up in the air. And Stephen Matz, Robbie Ray have been really solid, especially Robbie Ray. Yeah, he's he's done. He's on my bench this week, which sucks. But he's been. Uh, <laughs> I've been waiting for him to do that. I had a feeling he was going to start lighting it up. Like he's been hitting high nineties. Like I think at one point he hit a hundred the other day in his last start. Like that's that's good for an older guy. So I read up on this. Uh, well, he's only he's still under thirty. Is he? Oh, okay. I thought he was a little older than that. I read up on it, and it looks like, obviously, they changed the baseballs again from last mm -hmm. year. So, they made them lighter. So, that's why you're seeing uh, people get that mile per hour up a lot, because it's across the board. Every pitcher is starting to pitch a yeah. lot uh, faster. So, it's I'm not surprised that everyone's is up. You give it the balls lighter and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Another thing, too, is uh, the huge amount of strikeouts. Yeah, well, and that could be attributed to the to the uh, mile per hour. Uptake, exactly, right? it's and uh, it seems to be dancing a little bit more. The ball, I think, has a little bit more spin rate on it as well. Some, and because they're trying to crack down on the whole spin rate, I don't know if you guys read that, but so they're trying to get something that you that is legal to put on your hands, a substance, so that you couldn't get more spin rate, but you can only use that. So the league is trying to allow that or the players, the league, because they're trying to crack down on people using, cause it's like, you remember, uh, Padilla, Padilla used uh pine tar on his neck. Do you remember that? Trying to get more yep, spin. Yep. Pineda. Yep. Yeah. So what I think they're going to try and do is give them something that they can use to get the spin rate up more, but it, it won't give it to the point where it's, it's getting, maybe as many strikeouts, but like they're trying to just crack down on people using 
foreign substance. So, I mean, I mean, they can use the rosin bag. Like, obviously that doesn't help too much with the spin because that's just going to dry your hands up. It's more like a chalk to get the sweat off your hands. Right. It'd be interesting what they decide that would be a, a legal substance. So that, that's an interesting uh, thing. I think in the major leagues, just, you know, the, the, the movie, the major leagues, just put some, you know, shit underneath your nose, make it runny. So, you, you know, give yourself a little white. I mean, snot's pretty good. You can fucking throw a good, nasty curveball yeah, with snot- that. Snot's more of like it's more liquidy. You're looking for something. Yeah, but that's if you be if you if you rub it a bit, man, depends. You know what you're using up your nose. You know, I just uh, think it was classic. I think that's a foreign substance, bud. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but but they're just. I'm just saying that they're trying to do this because the whole argument is batters can use pine tar to have a better grip on the bat. Yep. So they're going to try and do something to make it legal so that the the pitchers can have something. Hmm. That's uh, that's interesting. I didn't hear that, so that's it's an interesting. It was uh, from a while ago, but I I was trying to find something that they were talking about because they, they only used foreign substance and they only yeah. mentioned uh, pine tar once. Mm-hmm. It was with that with Padilla. Yeah. Huh. All right. So moving on here. So with the MLB, we had our Canadian boy Joey Votto, who just the other week had a uh, uninsisted triple play. Uh, he's continuing his hot play. And he hit his 300th career home run on Friday. Votto joins Johnny Bench and Frank Robinson as the only Reds players to hit that milestone. That's crazy. Yeah, I would have thought there would have been more, for sure. Barry Larkin, I figured, would have would have been a, a guy that hit 300, but but maybe he obviously didn't because <laughs> this is the uh, the stats. So it is pretty wild that he's the only third player uh, in Reds history to do that. But so he is. Now the second most uh, home run hit by a Canadian all time in the MLB with again, that 300 and the, the leader is Larry Walker with 383 home runs. So quite a feat. So I have a question for you guys. Who do you think is the best all time Canadian in MLB history? So I've got a few names here to choose from. We got Joey Votto, Larry Walker, Freddie Freeman, Justin Morneau, Russ Martin, Jason Bay, Eric Gagne, or Fergie Jenkins. What do you guys think? I, I got a toss up between Larry Walker and Justin Morneau. That's that's really? my really? top. Justin yeah. Morneau. Yeah. I would say uh, Larry Walker, but I'm a big Freddie Freeman fan, and uh, obviously Joey Votto in there. It probably it would be Larry Walker, then Freddie, and then and then Votto. Delan, what do you think? I think Votto and Walker for sure. So for me, I love Joey Votto, but I'm going to say Larry Walker and Fergie Jenkins. Fergie Jenkins was a really good player back in the 70s, way before most of our time. <clears throat> Kev. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Larry Walker with that 383, like – Sure, it's possible for Votto to to eclipse that. He's going to need probably three more seasons to do it, at least, I would say. Votto's getting up there in age, so will he make that? I don't know, but I don't think he will. It'll be tough. Like he's If he plays for three, four more years, then I think he'll do it. That's only 20 a year, right? But yeah. that's still four years. Like That's got to put him at mid to late 30s at that point, right? Well, he's already at mid 30s. Right. I think, so, I think but, he's like 36 or 36. Or seven or something like that, man. Like he's pretty sure he's pretty old. 
I think, as you know, as you guys throw my age out there, I think one of the better Canadians that I used to like with the Jays was Rob Ducey. Good old Rob Ducey. So Freddie Freeman, actually, he, so he wasn't born in Canada. He was born in the U.S., but his, both of his parents are from Ontario. So he has dual citizenship, but is he really a Canadian? I mean, I mean, he's on the list. He is technically Canadian because he's uh, got dual citizenship, but I don't think he spent much time here. Either way, he's on the list, and he's a great player. Great player. We're going to talk a little bit more about him later on <laughs> because he's, uh, he's, he's, he's made a penalty box. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so. This week's Points of Penalties MVP is brought to you by MVP Brewing Company. Try the Game Changer. Okay, guys, uh, weekly MVP is sponsored by MVP Brewing. MVP Brewing has a kickback program, and they want to give every child a chance to be the best MVP they can be. MVP Brewing wants to make all sports more accessible and affordable by donating 5% of all sales towards community kids sports organizations, which is what we said last week is an absolutely phenomenal initiative, and it's great to uh, to be giving back to, to the community and getting these kids Uh, into some sports that uh, they may not be able to play without this kickback. Kev, sounds like you just cracked one. How does it taste? Good. That's huge. Well, Jesse cracked one too. There's me. (laughs) We're drinking the Game Changer here. It's a premium lager, 4.5%. And uh, it's very much a, it's a sport beer. Let's put it that way. It's a beer that you drink while you play sports. And for it's, sure, it's very good. It's very I can good. see going through like you know plenty of these when we actually go out golfing. Because this would be a great beer, I feel, when we were out there golfing on that nice little course or yeah. eight course. If we ever get back out there, no shit. So this week's MVP is Russell Westbrook. Not just for this week, but for the entire month of April, he has been on absolute fire. Now, Jess, you had said, I believe last week we were talked about him a little bit, and you had said that he tires out near the end of the year. It doesn't seem like he's tiring out this year, but the playoffs haven't started. So who knows uh, what, uh, what that will bring. But right now, as I said, he's just been on fire. So 600 rebounds and 600 assists in a season for the fifth time in his career, which matches Oscar Robinson for the most such seasons in NBA history. In the month of April, Westbrook averaged a triple-double per game, and that's the 10th time he's done that. That is nuts. crazy. It is nuts. And did he, one of the interviews, do you think he says, do you think it's easy doing this? It's definitely not easy. Man. It's definitely, it's definitely not, not easy. So the 10th time that he's averaged a triple double in a month, and that's the most, most uh, in NBA history. He's also averaged a triple double over his last 396 games dating back to December 27, 2015. And that's even more impressive. Like that's an insane amount, especially when we look at, we were talking about the Raptors and how Kyle Lowry, some of us think are the, is the greatest Raptor of all time. And he only has 13 triple doubles in his career, 13 or 14. Now that was back then. I didn't look up to see if he had gotten a triple double since, but, and this guy's getting, he's averaging one a game. Like, and they play what it's gotta be on average 10 games a, a month, I would say at least. Right. So that's just absolutely wild. This guy just keeps putting up triple doubles, triple doubles and triple doubles. So Westbrook has had 30 or more triple doubles in three different seasons. And the only player to ever have one season with 30 or more triple doubles was Oscar Robertson and Will Chamberlain. 
that's just insane. Like this guy, he is, he's gotta be, I mean, reading these things, these stats here, he has gotta be the greatest triple double guy of all time. Well, yeah, he, he's in great company there, but that's the thing against him is he hasn't gone anywhere in the yeah. playoffs, right? Like that's 100%. why he didn't get, get the, that recognition. Cause he gets tired by then maybe, but he's also been known to be a ball hog. Yep. And that's another reason why he gets the, all these triple doubles is because right. he wants the ball. So like, I'm like, it's great that he, he does this and everything like this, but he needs to be a team player. And I uh, think this year he's been a little bit more of a team player because he has, he's got Bradley Beal who has been lights out as well for most of the year. So I think he's maybe starting to get that way. Well, just imagine how good he would have been when we had Harden and uh, yeah, KD. KD with him. Yeah. I think that there might have been an issue there because all three guys wanted the ball big time. You know, they're all a little older now, especially KD and, and Harden can, you know, they are obviously working together now in uh, Brooklyn and they have obviously been able to work with it. Now I know KD has been hurt a lot this year, so it hasn't taken the ball away from Harden that much, but Evidently, they've learned to share a little bit. The egos are turned down a bit more. A little bit, yeah. So Russell Westbrook, uh, not just for this week, but basically for the entire month of April, is the MVP just because he's been lights out with these triple doubles. And this blew my mind when I was looking some of this stuff up. And I just couldn't believe how many he's had. And when you compare it to, like I said, a guy like Lowry, who's had less than 15 in his career. (laughs) That's insane. Insane. So sticking with basketball and the NBA, we're going to jump right into it. Steph Curry, in the month of April, he was lights out too. Not quite as lights out as Westbrook, but Steph Curry scored 96 three-point shots over the month of April, which is the most in a calendar month in NBA history. Uh, I, I believe we said it uh, last week and maybe even previous uh, to that. Basically, Curry is the best shooter in NBA history. Hence the reasons why you got to move the three-point line. No. Yes. No, yeah, man. If you've noticed, I mean, half the time these guys are shooting up these pointers, they're about a foot back from the actual three-point line. So why not move it a foot back? So that just makes them look even better. They don't even need that extra foot. Yeah. I mean, if you saw the Westbrook, I mean, he did two of them right off the hip hop at center court. So, I mean, they move it back some. I mean, make it a bit of challenge to the people who can't. You're just upset because you're, well, you're not as tall as the NBA, but. You're, you're oh, a I tall don't... guy, and you couldn't shoot worse shit. I <laughs> <laughs> was, was a great basketball player, by the way. Yeah, uh, player, but you probably couldn't shoot. Player. No, no, no. I could definitely shoot. Like Shaq at the free flow. <laughs> no way. I was doing the granny shots, bud. Oh, I was shit. bringing those back into the, you know, the style. Oh, that's funny. Right off the backboard every time. <laughs> did you call bank? I did. When I was at the foul line with the granny shot, of course you got to call bank. Are you actually doing granny shots at the free throw line? Yeah, bud. Wow. I think there was an, an actual NBA player that did that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yep. With the jazz, I believe. I don't know the name, but I, I just remember hearing about it one time. If I played against you, Kev, and you were doing granny shots from the free throw line, I would destroy you on the next possession. Like, why? So you can tell me to watch me do it again? Because I think that's horseshit, man. Shoot the ball uh, like overhand. I, I don't like that at all. You're giving me free baskets. I'm going to take free baskets. I guess. I mean, I understand that, but I don't know. A granny shot? Come on, man. Yeah, bud. Backboard in every time. <laughs> all right. So 
some domination happened on Saturday night. The Indiana Pacers just destroyed the OKC Thunder, winning 152 to 95. <laughs> when I saw that, I did like a triple take and I'm like, what? There's no way. That's got to be a typo. Like it maybe is like 122 to 95. Nope, 152. That 152 points is the most points the Pacers have scored in a game since joining the NBA in 1976. The previous Pacers record was 150 points versus Denver in my birth year, 1982. Uh, during the game, the Pacers shot 65.5% from the field, which was the highest percentage for an opponent in OKC Thunder history. And talking about triple doubles, DeMontis Sabonis had a triple double in the first half of this game. Wow. I know. The first <laughs> half. Wow. The first half. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And he's a good player. Uh, Sabonis won the one of the skills competitions there uh, over the all-star game uh, where they, they run up and down the court and make some passes and shoot. I can't remember what they call that, but he ended up winning that. And, you know, he's been pretty good all year and, you know, Indiana is one of those teams that they don't get a whole lot of recognition. They don't get a whole lot of national exposure. And this guy's Sabonis, he has been really, really good all year. So, I mean, not, he's not MVP worthy, but I mean, on their team, he is for sure. He's definitely the best player on that team, but they were flirting with the largest uh, win margin. They, I can't, I, I want to say it was 68 points was the, is the record. And they had it at 67 points, but then OKC ended up having a 10-0 run within the last four minutes or something to that effect. And they, they brought it back up so that they didn't get their asses beat in a record beat. <laughs> oh, I just thought this is pretty crazy. 152 points. You, you very rarely see that. Was this in four quarters? It must have been to yeah. have that large of a de- deficit. Yep. That's crazy. I like, know. I could see 150 points maybe if it goes a couple overtime or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But- in four quarters, four quarters, fifty-two. Like Jesus, yeah, <laughs> pretty crazy. That's a, eh? that's a lot of three-point shots. Yeah, no. sounds like we should back out those. Uh, three, those uh, there's three-point three line. lines. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, back yeah. it up, back it up. <laughs> it's it's funny that you say that, but like I'm sure that sh- a lot of at least a foot. The- I mean, what the hell? A foot back is not going to be a big deal if you got to sit there. If you got to cut off the you know, in regards to the to the to the out of bounds line. Just, just then who cares? It's a two point shot from that moment. I don't get it, but I thought that old people like to uh, not not fix stuff that's not broken. What are you doing <laughs> on the <board? laughs> But it's definitely broken. No, it's an evolution definitely of the broken. game, man. Yeah, it's it's like it's like the whole thing. If you change that, you change all the statistics at that point. Yep. Right. So it's the same thing that we were. How is it changing statistics? Man, you just let moved me, it a let foot me, back. Let me just finish. Let me finish my point, and I'll get to that. All right, so if you change that where you're shooting that line, it's the same thing that the NFL is doing when they add an extra game. It yeah. changes all the statistics that have happened before and make them redundant. Like, it, it doesn't make sense that, that to do that. And back It's like up, making the net bigger in hockey. Yeah. Why would you do that? Exactly. And in order to move the line back, you have to make it – we said this last week – you have to extend the line all the way around, which puts it – even closer to the sideline in the corners, which you but can't then you do. don't just eliminate that line to the sideline. So it's still just a two point bucket at that point. So you're saying that the three points should only be from say the top of the key, obviously whatever the, the measurement yeah. is out. Right. So it really shouldn't go all the way to the corner. So right. now you've completely eliminated corner threes. Yep. No, nah, man. 
Yeah, it sounds like you're a good podcaster, and that's about it. Right? <laughs> good thing you're not church. <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> no, you can't do it, Kev. You can't do it. All right, uh, Raptors update. Five games this week. They haven't been too shit hot. They won the first game of the week versus the Cavs. Lost the rest of the week versus the Nets, the Nuggets, and the Jazz. They play tonight versus the Lakers. LeBron will be back, or he was back uh, earlier in the week, so they'll probably lose. But he didn't play so hot when he came back. He, he, he was playing like shit. Yeah, well, you would too after A, a high ankle sprain, and B, after missing X amount of games, you're not in the same uh, – you know, your cardio is not up as much. Uh, you gotta, you still have to work to get back to it. So don't worry. He'll be good again. He'll be good again. <laughs> so the Raps are in 12th place in the East sitting at 26 and 38, three games back of Washington who holds the last play in spot. There's eight games left. And in my opinion, pretty well impossible for the Raps to make the play in game. Uh, the way that Washington has been playing. They're just, they're just playing a lot better. And I just don't think that the Raps have a chance. I mean, obviously, it's still mathematically possible. It's really only, you know, they win three and Washington wins or loses three, then they've pretty much caught up, but still a lot of games left or, you know, in, in order for that to happen. Uh, and, and I think the Raps have looked tired. They, you know, maybe it was the COVID thing. Maybe it's still, they're still trying to work out, work that through. But they just, to me, last week, man, they've looked a, a little bit fresher, I guess, but this week, looking tired and now it's really looking like even the players don't want to make the playoffs and it kind of looks like they're ready to go to the off season and carry on and drink some beers by the fucking pool. Yeah. I was going to say, what did the basketball players do in the off season? I know hockey, they play golf. Does basketball just what still play basketball? Oh, a lot of, there's a summer league, but yeah, they probably golf too. Jordan played golf all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he was a betting man. So did Charles Barkley. Uh, don't even say Charles Barkley golfs, man. <laughs> that's just ridiculous. Yeah, that swing was beautiful. That is absolutely horror awful, as, as the Shaq would say. It's a pretty nasty looking swing. He's got. Oh, I don't understand man. how he can be so uncoordinated from a, from a golf standpoint after being a pro NBA player. Like. About the Raptors playing tired and everything like that, I think they might be pissed at management for trying to like lose. But wouldn't they want to play the best then? So they try and make it because then that would that would be like, ha! I told you, Masai. I get. You know? I guess that's fuel. But you could also argue like the because the management doesn't give a crap about winning. Why should they? Yeah, fair enough. But like, I, you might be right. They might be tired. But I just I'm totally throwing out conspiracy theories here. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but I just like I would that would piss me off as a player. But again, it might fuel you to get there. Mm-hmm. Are they using an actual starting lineup now? Like, are they are they just starting the the depth guys? I didn't see the beginning of the game yesterday, so I'm not sure who they actually started. My guess is that they are actually starting starters, but do they play more than five minutes in the first quarter and then they switch to to the bench guys? I don't know. Uh, when I did watch it, was pretty much they had uh, Van Vliet and Siakam was in, but other than that, it was bench guys. So that was later on in the game, though. So. I mean, they, they played what, pretty well against the Jazz last night. They, you know, they came down to the last few buckets, really. They were down, I believe it was four. Freddie Van Vliet missed a three ball that would have obviously brought them within one. And then that was it. They Jazz made the next shot, and that was the game. So, But they didn't play horrible in last night's game, at least the bit that I watched. So, Well, they fell off in the fourth for sure. They, Everything was good until then. So, as you said, the, the Raps are 
not looking like they're going to make the playoffs and that they are ready for golf in the off season, but a team that is not ready for the off season and is ready for the playoffs. is a Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. They have done pretty well this season. What else is there to say? There's been a lot of critics and there still is because there's a lot of people actually saying, Oh, it'd be funny to see them get out of the Canadian division, but I don't know. All these Canadian teams were playing against American teams last year. They were all, doing all right and I don't know I think it's going to be sweet to see them uh quiet some critics on that they're playing really good with regards to the Toronto's win on Wednesday to the four to one against the Montreal Canadiens I mean that was a good game goals by Nylander Matthews Muzzin and Brooks unbelievable the way they're just playing I mean Austin Matthews, uh, if it was an actual full season, this guy would be destroying in regards to goals. He'd be like in the 60s easy. I mean, he's destroying everybody else right now. Yeah, he's goals, like 38 so. goals so far. So he's got the, the Rocket Richard for sure in hand for uh, for the end of the year, no doubt. But is that because he's playing in the Canadian League? I wouldn't no. say that at all, nope. No, because the next guy is McDavid, is it not? So yep. he's in the Canadian League. Hey, every, every division has an opportunity to learn the goalies and the teams. Yeah. So every division has the same like learning curve, basically. Yeah. As soon as you learn that, yeah, you can score a couple more goals. But like I said, everybody in the league has an opportunity. And even if you look at the points, last time I checked, so don't quote me or challenge me on this, but the, two, the four top scoring uh, players in the NHL was – McDavid, Dreisaitl, Marner, and Matthews. Yeah, you're right, and that's what I was going to bring up. That just makes sense that no one can play fucking defense in the Canadian League. Uh, you don't need to play defense if you're scoring six goals a game. Right. Well, that hockey has the trap. <laughs> so, hey, who was at the top last year? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to say that it's not too far off that. No. no there, there's there's other guys for yeah. sure. For, for sure, scoring – it needs to happen to be one of the top teams in the league for sure. And obviously the Leafs have that, but you got to play defense too. And this team has been over the years have been lately have been really bad at playing defense. This is the most confident year I could say right. that we play some defense and make some hits. Yeah, every Leaf fan says they're going to win the cup every year. <laughs> no, not realistic ones like me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, on another side note, though, with regards to Matthews, no, this guy's actually scored 22% of the goals for Toronto. Wow. I mean, that's the highest percentage in regards to a player right now in the NHL that's been scoring besides uh, Marchant with 19%. Hmm. So, so top point getters, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Marner, McKinnon, and then Matthews. And then Patty Kane and Marchant. So. He said top, top five, they're in the, within the top five, the, there's yep. four in the Canadian League. And then, well, Patrick Kane is tied with Matthews at 62, and then Marshawn has 61 below that. So, yeah, so they're just they're doing good things, that's for sure. And uh, the last week has kind of showed it, right? Good, and they're and they're even playing a bit of defense here. So, like, I'm not saying that, but it just it's just odd to look at that when people are saying about the Canadian League because they're only playing there, and and is the reason why they're winning. You can look at seeing that no one's playing defense either. Yeah, you can say the same thing about the other top teams, though. In, in other divisions, they're only playing those same six teams. So it's the same thing like DeLine said. Like, once you learn that goalie, it's, you know, if, if you know that he's he's shit, uh, you yeah. know, a uh, high blocker, 
you're going to shoot high blocker as much as you can, right? Because you know that goalie now. So, oh, I definitely think there's a familiarity. 100%. With, uh, the goalies. Yeah. For sure. And you'll, I bet you, you'll see way less goals as you go through the playoffs, not just because it's playoff hockey, but because you don't have that familiarity with the, with the goalies that you're playing against. But they're still going to be playing in the Canadian League for the first round. Right. So, okay. So, I think first so, two, then, okay, first two? so, so I, it'll be, I, I'll bet you, you'll see then saying that in, I guess it's the semis when they when they all amalgamate type thing that you'll see probably less goals a because it's the playoffs and everybody plays more defense in the playoffs. Yep. But b because you don't know the goalies as well as you do in your division. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of overtime games. That's for sure. It's going to be more goals. You think? Because also, like, look at, and I'm not trying to toot the horn of the the Maple Leafs, especially because their success on the power play hasn't been great. But at the start of the season, before everybody learned their power play, they were putting so many goals in. So when they get to go out and actually play the Americans, it's cool that we get to say that they're not going to have that same game plan. Unless I guess you can watch a lot of tapes from the Canadian teams. There's um, for sure scouting. Trying to control it. For sure scouting going on in regards to anything. But it's never the same for the players. Like you could watch videos, but put yourself in that situation. So I actually think like a team like Toronto Maple Leafs, their power play is going to open back up. It's been quite horrible <laughs> for like what the last 20 games. I can see that. I can see their power play actually opening up when, uh, when, when it actually needs to count. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited to see them actually play someone else. And I'd, I'd really love if somehow it could be in the semis or the finals. Toronto play in Boston because I'd like to ruin that and end this cup uh, drought. Yeah. On uh, the Thursday, though, they actually destroyed Vancouver 4-1. to one. I mean, goals by Nylander, Enval, Matthews, and Marner. Oh, for sure. That was an absolute domination. Uh, respect to the Alex Edler in fighting Wayne Simmons. I think that was about to happen. That's why we got this guy. Toronto's not dirty. Toronto's just got some people now that can pull some muscle. So good for that. Oh, for sure. And it's kind of crazy to hear reports the day, day and the next day after just uh, the media kind of beating up Simmons for going after Edler, who's never fought. But uh, there's a couple things that uh, need to happen for a fight. For one, two guys have dropped their gloves and go. It was kind of consensual. Uh, he asked him for it and he went. But also, like, where the respect comes from Edler was – you know, Wayne Simmons is a lot bigger than you. However, you know what? You made a kind of trashy play or a dirty play in the last game. And you know what? Respect for standing up for it. There was no player. There was no coach management that was complaining about what happened there. Strictly just the media just driving this crazy, trying to, yeah. I don't know, they're trying to label Toronto, right? I so, just loved when he got to the penalty box and he had to stick that ice bag on his face because he got pretty fucked up. Yeah. So the media has said that, you know, it wasn't fair for, for Simmons to beat the shit out of Edler based on that one's a fighter and one's not. How do you guys feel about that? Do you feel like somebody else should have fought Edler instead of Simmons? Or do you feel like this is how it rolls and too no, fucking man. bad that, uh, too fucking bad, too fucking bad. You, you I, did I what you did. That, you did what you did to Hyman. I'm sorry, man. I'm going to sit there and try and we'll do what I can do to make you, you know, suffer. Because he's out. See, I agree with that. Because even back in the day, you had, you know, Ty Domi. If anything happened to fucking Dougie or or Matt Sundin, whatever, you know, Ty was, or, or Darcy Tucker, for that matter, was the first one in there to say, you know, fuck you, bud. It's yep. time to fight. And you get to fight me, the toughest guy on the team. 
because yep. you fucked up and hurt my, you know, did something to my player. That's right. So I have absolutely zero problem with uh, Wayne beating the shit out of him. And maybe Adler will think twice the next time he's going to do something shady. Right. Especially against a team that has a guy like Simmons. Right. Well, that's the whole thing with the enforcers for, right? Like exactly. you're going to do something stupid like that and you're going to get punishment for from it. I agree hundred percent. If you can't hold your own ground, that's your own fault for doing that. Yep. That's right. So now you had this fight and that was, that was probably it back in the day. If it was say Toronto versus Detroit, you would have had maybe Ty would have picked on somebody else that that made the questionable, uh, you know, bad play. But then Bob Probert, the next shift would have come out and him and Domi would have went at it. And then that would have been the end of it right now. Right. So it would have been, here's our, here's our two, uh, here's our two heavy hitters here. And now they're going at it. And then that'll be the end of the end of the issue and, you know, go from there. But it basically was. It, honestly, it basically was back then. I mean, you right. got your two heavyweights doing it out, and then after that was done, game Until on. the next time. But yeah, 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 yeah. But <laughs> but know. it was just it was back to game. Yeah. So if there's any if there's any immediate strategy that needs to go down here, in my opinion, it's you know they need to trash the Canucks for not having a guy that can fight. Sure, Edler might have still got fucking whipped by by Wayne, but the next shift or a few shifts later, maybe they would have had their big tough guy go out and then fight Wayne, and like you said, Kevin, it would have been done and over with, right? Yep. But I I imagine that this is still gonna. This is still going to carry on. I don't believe they play the uh, Canucks again this year. Leafs got three against Montreal, one against Ottawa. Maybe the last one is against Vancouver. But anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. On Saturday's game, though, again, once a uh, domination, five to one, uh, <laughs> unreal. <laughs> Matthew scores two on good old Daddy's birthday, and it was a great tribute for his dad. He sit there and have him pop two. Uh, Jumbo Joe scores one. Brooks. And as well as um, Kachelnyuk. Uh, unbelievable, this uh, Kachelnyuk. I mean, a lot of us didn't have him playing. But this guy has been unreal. I mean, it, I like him. I like him. It's crazy from lighting it up with Montreal in his first year or two. And then does absolutely fuck all. Gets traded for nobody. Then gets traded for nobody again. And now he's on... Is he on the first line still? <laughs> like... Second. second line but okay so but all of a sudden he's just he's filled in a nice hole for the for the Leafs and he's been pretty fucking good he has very well I mean the Leafs have now won five straight games after, after a four game slide last week and I'm thinking let's hope uh, with tonight's game against Montreal that they go six at Leafs clenched uh, against that actual game against Montreal where they beat them like four to one which is awesome but the only scary thing that I have with this, if they get the president's trophy, not too many teams actually win the cup with a president's trophy win. I don't think they'll get the president's trophy. No, they're four points behind right now and they have less games in hand. So I don't okay. think that they're so, going to end up winning the president's. And I'm very comfortable with that then. Cause I mean, I don't like the, that president's trophy curse. With the hope in uh, the, the Montreal Canadiens not to screw up the potential Leafs versus Habs in the first round of the playoffs. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't that be something? That'd be to fun. Sit there? That'd be fun. Yes. And they actually, uh, what, they're eight points up on Calgary now? The only thing that can happen, they're, they're also pretty close to Winnipeg and wanting to see the Leafs play the Canadiens is way, yeah. that's more exciting than the Jets, right? For so, sure. For sure. I, I think they should start splitting these original six back up again to the fact that we can actually play Montreal for a cup, not just Chicago. I mean, it's just ridiculous that they only have one other team they can have a possible Stanley Cup 
with is Chicago if you actually had the regular regular season going on. I think you're the only one that's the, that's that nostalgic over that, to tell you the truth. Give Detroit back into Chicago. Why don't you put Toronto back in that division? I mean, Toronto was very did very well in that division back when. I mean, I think they had a better opportunity of winning more cups in that division than they do the division that they were moved to back when. It's based on your geographical location, right? So the four, five, six teams that are furthest east are going to be in a division. The, you know, like it, it, they just happen to be further east compared to some of the other teams now. Back when they were in the same division as Detroit, they were obviously, there wasn't as many teams, right? So... Not as many, no. But speaking of, uh, you know, new teams, the Seattle Kraken made their final payment to the NHL and now are the official 32nd team in the NHL. They are now free to make trades, sign players, $650 million to become the 32nd franchise. I mean, good. Wow, that's that's a bit of money. It hey, is. you guys want to, you want to go in on one? <laughs> you yeah. can get the next. Yeah. yeah. If the next, I think that honestly should be Montreal. Not much, y'all. Sorry, Quebec. You got to bring back Quebec. Uh, I think there's this Batman is just once once he's gone, you're going to see more teams in Canada. I'm hoping for. I'd prefer another team in Ontario, to be honest. And we, the thing is, we can afford one. I mean, there, there's space enough for us to actually put one here. Guelph, Kitchener. Yeah, but the Leafs are a big stopper in that. Because yeah. If there's another team in Ontario, they theoretically lose fans. And but you need to be a certain amount of kilometers away. And I think it's like 182 kilometers or something like that. And Guelph would be the one that would be further enough for us to be able to host a team than like Montreal, I'm not uh, Hamilton or anything like that. Challenge. What is they aren't Toronto City Hall to Guelph City Hall is not over 180 kilometers. It's like 78. It's, it's, <laughs> it's like within like just over 100. All I'm saying is they have to be at least 182 somewhat kilometers away from Another I'm saying they're the, they're within that 180. That's why that uh, BlackBerry dude tried to keep on getting teams with the Coyotes, Pittsburgh Penguins, and was it the Canes? And then they finally said, you know what, stop. Uh, but like you said, Jess, it's definitely not 182 kilometers. So, but then you would still have to deal with Buffalo too, and and being within the range of them too. So you have to deal with here's Toronto, here's here's Buffalo, and you got to put a new. Ontario team between them, but still respecting that kilometer ra- uh, radius, whatever they say it is. So I don't think it's just necessarily Toronto. It's, it's Buffalo's issue too. If they're not going to want Buffalo shit to begin with, and they don't have a huge fan base. So to, to add another, and a lot of their fan base is likely from Ontario. So to add another team in Ontario is pretty much going to wipe Buffalo off the face of the earth. The team that is. Oh, well, well, that's because you're not a Buffalo fan, right? You don't care about Buffalo, but there are lots of people that still do. I think there's more to it than just slapping a team in here. Well, you can slap a team in here and we can be able to support it. There's there's so many fans that did, you're not really taking away from Toronto or Buffalo, in my mind. You're just saving people from traveling. There's still going to be people going to see those games regardless. You're not going to take a lot. Just to let you know, it's... 93.2 kilometers from Toronto City Hall to Guelph City Hall. So it's not even close. Yeah, it's half. Half. Half the distance that it, like you said, it needed to be, Kev. So minus yeah. one for Kev. Oh, I would say, I would even go further and say, I don't know if it's that far from Buffalo to Toronto. 
the 182 kilometers. I think it's less than that. That'll be close because for it's two yeah, hours, it'll be further. <laughs> it's two out. Yeah, for sure. It's two hours. Pretty oh, much. It's not much further. It's only 90. Oh, that's miles. So yeah, it's not much. 94 miles is what they did this one in. Yeah, so I, I just think that that number is a little off. That's all. There is probably some sort of jurisdiction or whatever. Yeah, there is 100% because that was one of the big things with uh, Big Bucks Ball Silly there, not That's being right. able to have a team in the area. So. The only thing that fucked that guy is because he tried to get three teams within two years. Well, he's motivated. Yeah. Man. They should have liked that. It, if it was an American guy doing that, they would have been all over it, right. in my opinion. But Batman didn't want another team in Canada. Well, I mean. Besides Which Toronto, Montreal. doesn't make fucking sense, really. If any way you can get fucking income, and we all know that hockey is the biggest sport in Canada, so why wouldn't you want that extra bit? They you know all that extra in revenue, but especially when you've fucked up and put teams in Atlanta and right, even, even Arizona isn't you know. Right. I really don't see Seattle really. I mean, as you guys say, Vancouver's close, but I really don't see Seattle really. I, having a good fan base when they start. I really don't. I mean, speaking of that, it's just, I don't, I don't see them having a big fans showing up to their games or even having that support. I mean, I think Seattle will do better than, than Vegas. I really? I would, I would have thought like, because like for me, Vegas is, I guess that's the only like team really there is the Las Vegas golden Knights, but I don't know. Seattle's a pretty even what like the whole state there is a huge uh, sports sports fans like basketball Seattle Seahawks do well basketball challenge there's no basketball team yeah that's they, they used to be there yeah so I'm, oh! I'm old school right so Sonics right yeah super Sonics yep that's super right Sonics but yeah like I I think they'll do fine there the, the Mariners do pretty well there so I wouldn't see why there'd be a huge issue plus maybe there's some People are going to defect from <laughs> in BC region. Yeah, well, that's what I said with regards to their area. Are they going to do the same thing like what they uh, they did with Florida teams when they got there? They're going to give them like little headsets to tell them what offsides are, or put the glow puck back on so you can see what the hell is going on. Oh, I mean, it's come on, I, don't, I just stereotype. Not in Seattle, man. All right, and lastly, in the NHL, uh, we got McDavid. I don't know. He's he's looking for 100 points this year. He's at 87 currently. Um, he's got seven games to go. He needs an average of about pretty much two points per game. Do uh, you guys think that this can happen? I do. Really I do. do it. I see he does it. I don't know. I think that that is quite a few points to get. And I was even looking at the math. He's trying to get to 50 goals. Um, it's a lot easier to get 13 points than 12 goals. But it's not hard to get two assists a game, and with especially with McDavid. I mean, I couldn't see two assists in the goals. Earlier in the week, McDavid was averaging a point per period. <laughs> at that rate, he should be able to get it, no problem. Yeah. But obviously, that's not typical. <laughs> I really think, though, the, these players don't really care about fucking, you know, these things. Do I get to 100? No, I'm just playing a game. I'm, I want to. I want to win. I don't give a fuck if I score or get an assist or not. I just want to win. I mean, yeah, I don't all, think he's following. It's all about it. that. It's all about the cup for sure. But if you don't win the cup, then at least you can, you know, fall back and say, well, at least I got hundred points. points. Yeah. You know? But like I said, Kev, they don't care about that shit. They want the cups. So that's it for NHL. But we've got a little bit more hockey news. 
Kev, you want to tell us about the under 18 world championship? Yeah, that's going on in Texas right now as pure Canadian uh, hockey can, uh, can be with the under 18s, pure domination. They're like four and zero in this tournament. They uh seven and zero over Switzerland, four and two over Latam. Latifa, 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 Latvia, There you go, Latvia. <laughs> <laughs> big winner over Sweden, twelve to one. I mean that that's a big one for me. Beating Swede, twelve to one. Like I mean these other players or teams are just eh. But twelve to one is just a pure domination over Sweden. Five to two over um, Belarus. Yo, I nice. wish these were chargeable offenses, man. <laughs> you would be sick of yourself. Oh, I know. <laughs> just these uh, under 18s are just fun to watch. These guys are 17 and under. Is that right? 15, 15 and up. I mean, the youngest player right now in that uh, that squad is 15 years old. So the only difference is from them for the World Juniors is because World Juniors are what, like 18 seven, to 20, 17 to 21 yeah. or something like that? Something like that, yeah. Yeah. So these guys still have a little bit more time in the minors, in the, you know, OHL, OHL whatever. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that's great that they're 4-0, and man. Fuck. Yeah. No, it's awesome. Just seeing these kids just dominate. I mean, it's just, don't want to say domination, but, I mean, they are uh, ruling pretty, pretty well. And that Kentucky Derby, you know, the the, um, the winner of the, um, of the Kentucky Derby, uh, media sprint, uh, the actual – I think the trainer of that uh, horse has uh, won seven of them, the most ever in regards to a Kentucky Derby. Wow. Then you have that Mandolin place, Hot Rod Charlie show, and the favorite essential quality finished fourth. And you had some like quite uh, quite the cel- like celebrities out there as well. I mean, A.A. Ron was out there. Uh, you had fucking that cockroach, Tom Brady. Him and his, you know, crew was there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always a star-studded event. Medina Spirit, he pretty much led the entire race. I think right off the hop, he wasn't quite in first, but then I think by the first turn, he was in first and just ran his fucking horseshoes off and yeah. came around. I had money on Hot Rod Charlie, did not win. I had uh, I had him just on an individual bet, and then I had him on with a big parlay with one other, a game from every other sport, try and win 400 bucks off of a $5 bet, but after he showed and didn't win, I was fucked. So <laughs> there was an actual dude that put two point five million dollars down on a horse there, and then yeah, a- mattress Mac man. Aaron a- was asked, "Would you put something down like that?" He's like, "No, no, I'm only here for fun. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not doing that. No way." Yeah, well, I think mattress Mac. He like that's kind of his nickname or whatever, and he's a. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's in Houston. Like he's he's from the Houston area, and. The guy, he must own something ridiculous because he's constantly putting these big bets down. So this guy is clearly more wealthy than the average uh, <laughs> sports figure. So, yeah. but to, yeah, to drop that kind of money, holy shit. Like, and it takes and like wait, 25 didn't... seconds for the fucking race to be done. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, there it goes. 2.4 mil. Shit. <laughs> oh, oh, well. Oh, well. Just one of those guys just show up with a, a duffel bag of cash. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> like, yeah. it's. I also like that name, the favorite essential quality. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to finish off this with regards to who I have in my penalty box then. I have the uh, refs taking out Cofield, that young Canadian kid. I've said this before, I think, on this episode or a episode. We need to eliminate one of these refs. There's too many of them on the ice. They're, they're in the way. If you give the referees, like the linesmen, 
an actual whistle to call penalties, I think would be better. You're still opening up the ice. You get these zebras out of the way. Because, I mean, this referee just took him right out like a hip check. So I, I have the refs in regards to my penalty box. They need to eliminate one of them. Give the, give the whistles again back into a linesman to call plays, not just offside. But they could never call penalties, though. Why not give them, why not give them the opportunity well, that's fine, to? But they have never been able to call penalties, no. except for, I think, too many men was the only other one they could call. Right, because they have to go up to the ref and let them know. I think, again, you did just give them a whistle, give okay, them so an opportunity. To let me play. play devil's advocate here, Kev. You want to fucking extend the, the three-point line, make the, the court wider so that guys don't make an easy shot. Why don't we just play on international ice then? Yeah, why now not? there's way more hey, room. Way more ice. You still you can, have four, four I'm game for that. If you have a bigger ice, four refs, then they're out of the way. But if you're going to sit there and put it in an NHL size, then you need to get rid of one. Interesting. I don't. I don't think they should be changing the. Air. I don't think so either. But <laughs> taking the ref out, I. They they played with three refs halfway through. You know, all the way through until I don't know when they changed that rule to put for another fucking dumb zebra on there. Yeah, but they they added the zebra because they weren't making the enough calls. They because they they're not giving they're not giving that linesman the opportunity to make those calls. Which I think if they do, then they're freeing up that extra body on the ice. Hey, it's the linesman's job to call the line infractions. That's the thing. You don't want to take their head off that either. Right, right. That's their job to do that. And the rest. But what's, what's, what's the back, one what's the back blue line ref doing then? Just standing there waiting for the call to sit there and go across his blue line? Why can't you yeah, make him much. into that ref? You have the ref back in the, the behind the net where they, the, the big ones stay. You have your linesman that sit there and stays on that line. Why can't you have the other linesman sitting there floating over center ice and they're saying, okay, there's a penalty, blow a whistle. And then when it goes back the other way, you have that ref behind the other net. You have the other guy covering his fucking blue line and you have the other linesman covering up center ice. Yeah, have you done your resume yet, Kev? I'm going to send it in for you, buddy. <laughs> you got a good resume? I got a pretty decent one. All right, Let's let's send it in because I think you got some ideas. The ideas See, are. I don't think it but... should happen at all because. Listen, well, well, they're on the ice for that. On, just just uh, listen to me, level. man. Just let me listen to me, man. All right. So listen. So if if they if they can't make the call and everything like that, that's why they brought the other one in to make that call. Everyone's got their own job to do on the ice and everything like that, and everyone else seems to avoid the refs. So. So how is the deal? ref taken out to Coalfield in regards to a hip check? Okay, but it's been one. Like, we haven't talked about any other ref taking out a player this year. Like, you're going to be putting people up in the box to make all these calls then. You're going to go back to that, the whole not people on the ice and the human error that happens with this. Then why don't you stick right? the referee, the blue line referee, in behind the bench, like uh, not on the ice, but just sit there looking at that blue line. So he's not on the ice then. Then you just only yeah. have two referees. COVID, buddy. <laughs> He says the Montreal Canadian we're talking about. Who even cares about that? If they get <laughs> I'm okay with this kind of call. Like, take him out all day. Okay. Well, it was Don't just ironic that it happened to Montreal, yes, but exactly like like he said, if you can't keep your head up and pay attention to what's going on, that's your own fault. I just say there's too many referees on that fucking ice. And I think hockey's been the most professional sport that has changed rules so many times. You have the trapezoid. What the Fuck, man. You, you can't touch the puck anywhere in between that. Mm. I say if a goalie leaves that blue paint, 
you're just you, you have the opportunity to just run him over. I like that. Movie. I know what you're saying, Kev, on that one. Like they put the trapezoid in to prevent guys, superstars like Marty Brodeur, who could fucking stick handle as well as the fucking next guy with a goalie stick and be able to pass it up to the red line. So they took it out for that reason, you know. Should yeah, there's been definitely been times where I've said, you know what, fuck the goalie. If he's outside of his crease, fucking nail him. Yeah. But but if that happens to Freddie Anderson, if that happens to your goalie, then you don't leave your fucking net. Yeah, but you're gonna be livid. You're like, oh, this is fucking bullshit. They shouldn't be allowed to hit our goalie. Blah blah blah. Right? <laughs> right no, if so. if he left the blue, I mean, if he left his paint or his crease, damn right, man, you are now then an open player. But then, so every time you hit him, are you, is it now interference because he can't get back to his crease? Like you can argue that too, right? At the end of the day, there's only so many goalies and we don't need them getting injured every game. So if we keep them out of the the deep corner like that, they're safer too. And they, then you shouldn't leave your net. That's another thing is, is like Josh said with Broder being able to stick handle, like Freddie's pretty good at stick handling too. Like that's a skill. And now you're taking away that skill from someone. Fair like enough. You're just protect you're just protecting them when they're in the trapezoid then. Mm. And it's like the same thing with icing. They they put the hybrid up there, you gotta chase to a certain circle. I, I can see that. I, I I was okay with that because there's less injuries sitting there having two people chase for a fucking This puck is what this is though, too. Broken you're bones. trying to you're trying to put more injuries that happen when they do that. Yeah, and if your goal is good enough at stick handling, get the fuck out of the crease and get the puck before the icing line, because you're allowed to do that. So right. So the trapezoid shouldn't even be there. That's, that's just me. I mean, there's too many fucking rules that have changed in the NHL besides any other sport, besides, I mean, basketball, football. There's lots of rules that have changed in the NFL too, man. Oh, what, they yeah. just move a referee out of the way so he doesn't get hit in the head by a fucking football? There is so many fucking times that refs get run over or vice yeah. versa, or they make the fucking tackle. I've seen, I've seen a ref make a tackle on a running back. Like, he obviously doesn't wrap him up, but he stops him because the running back runs go. right into him. Yeah, so. yeah, and we, and they're trying to put more people on the field to make sure that all the penalties get called and not any of this bullcrap of people getting away with penalties. As we know, my hot take in regards to the NFL or that NHL in regards to too many fucking refs. But I'm going to throw this back off to you then, Yosh. Who do you got in your penalty box? All right, so my penalty box, this one might get a little heated here. In my penalty box, I've got the Blue Jays, and the reason I've got them in my box is – based on their response to the Roberto Alomar situation. Now, I want to preface this by saying that no matter what happened, which we really don't know what happened in this, we know that there was some sort of sexual assault, whether it just be comments or whatever. Again, we don't know. I have zero problem with the MLB removing Alomar from his consultant position and not being, not allowing him to work again for the MLB in any capacity. I have zero problem with that. My problem is is that this happened, allegedly happened, in 2014. Almar was a J from 91 to 95. This is plenty of time after, that he, after he was a J and he went elsewhere. But yet the Blue Jays have decided that they are going to unretire his number and take him away from the level of excellence. What he did, or allegedly did, in this uh, potential sexually, sexual assault is not great, obviously. But does that take away from the fact that he is an absolute Blue Jay legend, arguably the best Blue Jay of all time? In my opinion, the number should stay up there. I have no problem with the Jays not wanting to do anything with him going forward. If they don't, if they want to be the same as the MLB and say, you know, we want to cut any future ties, 
But this man, you know, with obviously with the help of, of other players, but he was an instrumental part in winning both World Series for the Jays. So to just say, fuck you, and you're out of here, to me is, is an asinine response from the Blue Jays. I don't think that they should they should be removing his number from, from the level of excellence. It didn't change anything from his legend status as a Blue Jay. Whether this happened or not, again, we really don't know if this is a legit thing. Yeah, the MLB has, they hired a third-party law firm to look into this. And they made their, you know, kind of a decision saying that, yeah, he was, you know, kind of guilty, I guess, of this, this sexual assault. But it's yet to be proven in an actual court of law. Now, the, the woman that uh, has brought this to attention said that she doesn't want to take it to, uh, to a court of law. She doesn't, she's not looking for a cash grab, which is what I initially thought it was. But like I said, I, I got no problems with what they're, you know, from a future standpoint, not being able to work with, with Alomar, but for the Blue Jays to cut all ties and say, basically say that he was never a Blue Jay is stupid. Absolutely stupid. And I think I, we've been talking about, especially Peter, he's wondering who's, whose jersey he should get, Vlad or Bo. I was always, you know, recently Vlad or Springer. And I'm seriously thinking about buying an Alomar jersey now. Just because like this, it nope. just pisses me off that they've taken him off the a level of excellence. But he still stays in the Hall of Fame. That's the other thing. So they have said the Hall of Fame has said that when he was enshrined, he was a member of, in, of baseball in good standing, which I believe was, I want to say 2011, he was enshrined. So in 2011, everything was okay. They know about this and he's okay. They're okay with it. The Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame has said the same thing, that they won't take anything away from them from the Baseball Hall of uh, Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. So it's just basically the Blue Jays and the MLB. Again, I have no problem with the MLB doing what they do. It's just for the Blue Jays to say that essentially he wasn't a part of the team. That's basically what I got out of it. He's not important enough. He's not a legend. He didn't do anything for us. That's essentially what they're doing by stripping him of the level of excellence and I think it's uh, I think it's asinine. Now this is not going on with the one that happened in the Sky Dome as well, right? I mean, I know it's not Rogers Center, but at the Sky Dome, didn't he have some kind of thing going on or some kind of possible in the actual motel that's in the Sky Dome? Is that the same thing that's that's happening to him? Well, Jesse you and I were talking different? earlier in the week, and and you know, I believe you'd said that he kind of has a a history of of these kind of antics. Um, you know, it was a domestic abuse against his ex-wife, right? That, that, that's what happened. And, and so Blue Jays are obviously trying to protect their brand. And this isn't the first time we've seen that. Like look at Osuna, Mm -hmm. look at, uh, Pular, like it wasn't sexual harassment, but it was, he said something, uh, gay oriented. Yeah. 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 And then so do you know, Escobar. Now they didn't get rid of you, you know, at the time, but they, they made sure he said sorry and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I'm not shocked that they do that. They did this. I get what you're saying that erasing him from the, the Blue Jay history is ridiculous because he's like the best Blue Jay ever. Yeah, like one of the best Blue Jays ever. Like he's, I. It's the climate that that we're in right now and cancel culture being around. Yep. And it all comes down to money. People will might boycott the Jays and stuff like that. Stop buying their jerseys. Stop like supporting them in different ways. So. You could say that it's money oriented, or you could say like it's the climate. And what I'm trying to say here, here is the Jays are looking out for themselves, not looking out for old players that brought in the fans, brought in the money, and everything like that. Yeah, I get that. Uh, you know, 
I don't know. For me, it's just hard. It's just hard to take this guy out of the history books and to say that, I mean, let's put it this way. They would have never won the first world series if it wasn't for his home run uh, in the ALCS. Uh, I think we talked about it last week, uh, the home run against Eckersley just really irks me to, to take him out of the books. And I have zero problem with, with not moving forward with him in any aspect. But don't take his number off the fucking field. Don't take his, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yep. Totally. Now, some people will argue that he's, you know, this is even more of a character uh, flaw with him based on, you know, some of the stuff in the past where the spitting incident, incident uh, actually at the Sky Dome, uh, <laughs> he was playing for, I believe it was Baltimore at the time. But that has its own set of, you know, issues at the time. Apparently he had, apparently Alomar had said something about the umpire's son. And then the umpire had said something uh, homophobic towards... Alomar, Alomar didn't basically didn't like being called gay, so he spit in his face. Not right from any <laughs> standpoint there, but you know people are using that as well as another reason why the the Jays are removing his number. But that's not a reason because that happened a lot of years ago, and they didn't remove his his number because he spit in somebody in, in an ump's face. So, uh, and he they also didn't remove his number when they had this domestic. Uh, abuse stuff against his ex-wife so only now and yeah jess you're right cancel culture and that's the reason why that they are jumping on this a little bit more but in my opinion you can't take his name down you can't take the number down he's still the one of the greatest jays of all time and the blue jays for taking that number down that's why they're in my box i don't like it it's not going to stop me from going to games though next time we go to a game you wish we should get some t-shirts showing up with just put roberto on it yeah Hundred percent, man. I'll put a number on one of those uh, <clears throat> Blue Jay ones I have in, the, in my closet here. Put number twelve on it and put Alomar at the back. I'm with you. Sounds good, man. So speaking of which, Toronto did win today, seven two. Nice, beauty. Damn, I had I had Anderson starting. <laughs> hey, I had Charlie Morton last night, and so I was like, okay, okay, it's five five now. Like they were, Atlanta was winning, so I was all happy. And then I was like five five. I'm like, I'll get a no decision, but he pitched okay. At least at this point, now I can root for the Jays to win because I know a decision was already there. So, <laughs> well, I know, and I saw that Jansen actually got a freaking hit. Did he? RBI. Oh, wow. RBI, too. Wow. So like, that goes for me for <laughs> hating on him. Well, that's good to hear that the Jays beat the Atlanta Braves. Jess, you got an Atlanta Brave in your box. Yeah, uh, the Canadian, Freddie Freeman. It was in a route. The Braves had, were dominating the Chicago Cubs. And... The manager, Dave, David Ross, decided to put Rizzo in to pitch. Which is crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. Like, it's, it's yeah. not crazy when you're, you know, you're into the 12th inning and you're down, you know, all your relievers. But to go in the 7th inning, it's pretty crazy. Well, being down 10 nothing wouldn't be like, For sure. Why, why waste a bullpen guy? Yeah. It, it, that was the whole thing, right? And apparently, like he said, Rizzo said he wanted uh, Freeman when he was in the on-deck. Yes, I, yeah, I heard that, yeah. <laughs> and everything like that. But uh yeah, so what ended up happening was Rizzo wasn't doing so hot against him, threw a couple of balls right away, but battled back and struck him out on a 61 mile per hour ball. <laughs> now in Freddie Freeman's defense, that's a oh. tough ball to hit after you know after you've played the whole game, a guy's throwing 90. Oh, for sure, for sure. <laughs> So, yeah, he says that he struggled against positional players and he's got to get work up his timing to get to what 
every other pitcher is doing and everything like that. But hitting that uh, 61 was obviously a huge issue for him. And obviously when he, or, and when he did hit strike out, he, he smiled and was laughing with Rizzo all bunch. Oh, they were both fucking. Oh, buddy. They were, they're like best buds. I mean, like this is like, you know, Josh, you can sit there, you know, or vice versa, us pitching to any one of us. We're going to have a giggle on our face because you're going up there. You know, I mean, he said he just couldn't help but fucking stop laughing at the plate. I mean, he just couldn't control himself. So, I mean, I think that had a little factor into it. Yeah. These guys are actually, they're really good friends earlier. uh, I don't know if it was last week, the two teams played and they ended up getting Freeman in a pickle. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and so Run, of course Rizzo yeah. had the ball and he was like, Frederick, yep. I'm going to get you type thing. Yep. So, exactly. So they are, they're definitely good buddies. And for me, that's what, this is what baseball is all about, man. I know this is, this isn't typical to, to see a position player pitching in the seventh inning, but I, I loved it. You know, it was a, it was a good call in my opinion by, by David Ross to put him in there. <laughs> and I mean, you're already getting beat. Why waste the pen guys? Oh, yeah. I think everybody had a big laugh about this and, and that's what makes baseball great is that these guys can still have all, all this fun. And, you know, you see guys in baseball now, maybe because there's more, more downtime uh, during the game than any other sport, but you seem to see these baseball guys laughing and joking around and, and having a smile on their face more than any other sport uh, during the game. Yeah, I agree with that. And just to make sure everyone knows, Freddie Freeman was dominating this game before oh, yeah. he struck. Oh, <laughs> didn't his a kid... home run and a double? Like he was, he was four for four at that point, and then he yeah. struck out. So that was this when this kid Charlie did this uh, walkout music? Yep. Yeah, his kid told him he wanted to. What did he put? Uh... Oh shit! Who was it that he? I don't know the song, but I know his son. Just uh, he's the one that made the, his walkout song. And he, he did that. He was just, that's his yeah. wife says, you know, Charlie's going to make every single walkout song for you now. So I really like this, uh, this whole thing. I, I was watching a bunch of it, uh, the highlights and, and whatnot. And I thought I it was laughed. Great. I laughed every time I saw it. It was funny. The line who's in your box. Well, actually, I have kind of an interesting one. Uh, that's a little off topic from everything else you guys are going up. I'm actually about to attack a network. Not really attack, but it is kind of funny. Turner Sports announced on, what was it, Tuesday that they uh, signed on with hockey to uh, take on some games, some playoff hockey. And they posted a hype uh, picture. And on the front of the hype picture was, well, for one guy, Alexander Ovechkin. He's a legend. He deserves to be there. And then you look to the right, and I swear I see Andrew (laughs) Ferentz. The captain of the Edmonton Oilers. Like, I swear, I, if I if that's not him, if that's McDavid somehow, no. yeah, no, it's not even possible. They actually yeah. screwed up that bad. They Googled the name, a captain for Edmonton Oilers. Yep. They took the first picture, and that's not really the best uh, <laughs> way to start a relationship, a five-year relationship. When was the last time Aaron, Andrew Ferentz played a game? Wasn't it like five <laughs> years ago? Like, they are way behind on this. <laughs> <laughs> it was 2016 five years and he only played like five yeah. games that wow. season. so it's just crazy that they actually <laughs> did this and that there wasn't somebody doing quality control before they posted <laughs> the fucking thing or before they put it on tv like how do you fuck that up you know like not the same number nothing like the only thing only thing that made it the same was the seat and that it was an oilers oh, jersey. jersey that was it <laughs> 
too funny. I expect that out of someone like Kevin that's just getting a little yeah, senile. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know what, though? It doesn't yeah. surprise the uh, TV station like uh, like TNT. They're a <laughs> basketball station. You know, they're just trying to get into the hockey market and uh, for them to fuck it up early is pretty funny. <laughs> but like you said, Deline, definitely not the right way to start a, a long contract with the NHL. <laughs> Well, they could have put up any of the the four first round draft picks or anything. Like, why do they yeah. have to pick this guy? Does any do you guys even know who Andrew Ference is? I mean, we do, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't. Uh, yeah, it was a it was a pretty crazy, oh, yeah. uh, pretty crazy picture, and like I said, not a good way to start their relationship with the NHL and and their TV rights. Yeah, so I think it was totally fair uh, that they. They're going to get a five-minute major for that. Yeah, ten-game, ten-minute. Okay, guys, normally I would ask Peter to go through our challenges and then update us on the scores, but I suppose I'll do it this week. Challenges, uh, we had a couple early, which were offsetting. I said that Gurley uh, was in Atlanta. Jesse challenged me, said he was a free agent. Jesse was right. And then Waddle plays played for Alabama, not Ohio State. So that canceled out the first one. So I got a plus one, Jesse got a minus one. So again, we were at zero after that. And then we had two more challenges. The distance between Guelph and Toronto in regards to getting a team uh, in the NHL, another team in in Ontario here. Kev said that it was 182 kilometers. It's half of that. So Jesse gets a point, Kev is down one. And Kev, you said that Seattle had a basketball team, which they do not, and I challenged you. So I'm up one, you're down one. Yay. So that puts uh, me up one today. Jesse will be up one. Kevin will be down two. And Deline was a bitch and didn't really challenge anybody. There was not much to challenge, to be honest. Nobody was throwing out yeah, anything this good. Is true. I tried the hook, line, and sinker with you guys with the Matthews with the 22%. Well, is that not right? I mean, it's after the fact. You can tell us now. Yeah, I know. It's correct. I mean, even with uh, Marchant being the second with 19% is actually legit. So you wanted us to challenge you saying that it was incorrect, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, he was giving me shit about trying to bait someone, and he goes and does it. Yeah. <laughs> Kev's been trying to bait people all fucking since episode one. That's right. I'm okay with dinner and some beers, man. Whatever. For the season, then, Pedro is still a bitch because he hasn't done any fucking challenges in the last now three weeks. One this week because he's not here, but last two weeks he didn't challenge. Make any he did one last week. Oh, oh, oh Jesse. <laughs> Yo, that's right that's at the, the end. Me, he got me last week. <laughs> yep. uh, right. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> fucking bullshit (laughs) you just wanted to just give shit to peter yeah man like i was gonna let it slide but i was like this is an easy opportunity (laughs) all right so peter still has plus four kevin lost two today putting him at minus five for a for the season jesse you were plus one today but you just got the extra one so for the season you're plus one yeah for the season yeah. I just lost another one, <laughs> putting me then at still at minus three. I have did not change today. And uh, our last week's special guest, Graham, is still at minus one. And Deline, you didn't uh, challenge anybody, so you're minus three. 
Yeah, but I also didn't give you four points yeah, this week either, definitely. Yosh. So if that's why you're upset with me this week, I'm sorry I can't. I can't I, do that. I was the one week, that actually know? said bring them on so I could get some points. Yeah. <laughs> <For sure>. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Clearly, that uh, the weed beard calmed you down. It's not beer. It's actually just a drink. It's like a just like a like a Red Bull kind of thing. I don't know. I think if you want to talk majority NFL draft, you're going to lose me a little bit. I still want to be that you are jerk. A jerk. What do you mean, be that jerk? You are that jerk. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not trying to be ignorant you don't have like to be, Kevin. Man. You already are. Time, right? I mean, it's just a big thing. Josh, how was your drink? <laughs> My Roman Candle IPA at a Bellwoods Brewery in Toronto, six point eight percent. It's pretty good, hoppy AF, but pretty tasty overall. And uh, it's you know. It's got a bunch of fireworks on the front. And this is another one that I bought because of the because of the cover. Can. The can, yeah. And uh, but yeah, it tastes pretty good. I like it. And uh, not too shabby. Kev, how was yours? Yeah, my Murphy's Law with the uh, Jack Daniels uh, was very decent. The MVP went down pretty smooth as usual. So did you mix Murphy's Law with yep. Jack Daniels? Yep. Jesus, that's a spicy drink. Oh, it was. It was, you know, had a good, nice little flavor to it. So, uh, Ryan, how was your little uh, THC there drink there, bud? I'm going to start talking about my uh, my Coors because I love my Coors, and it was 5%, which is better than at least one person this time. That went down really smooth. And then, yeah, when I got into this THC drink, the tropical fruit, I'm not going to lie, there's still a little bit left. I don't know what it's done to me, but I'm pretty sure it's done something. And uh, yeah, would I drink it again? Yeah, for sure. So it's made uh, you complacent. We were expecting points here, bud. <laughs> no, 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 no. There was just not enough information for me to go last time. Last one was so easy. You said, but... a, what was it? A, wood, a two wood or something that last time you were on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that that might be. Do you have a two but... wood? Because I'd be. I want to see that. Oh, well, I got two woods. <laughs> like, no. does that count? Yeah, it's. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe this is like a chill out drink, and it, maybe it's not good for the podcast. But it tasted good. All right. Well, in my Bob uh, Cajun Brewing Company, the Common Lou, Loon. It was. Uh, it was tasty. It was. Uh, it was good for a hangover beer. <laughs> I uh, I feel good now. Now that I started drinking again. Yep. All right, guys, that's gonna do it for today's episode. So for everyone here at Points and Penalties, and Peter is not here today. We want to thank you for listening. Please subscribe wherever you get your pods, and give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Points Penalties. And until next week, stay, stay out, out of the penalty box. box.